Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? Okay, so we watched RoboCop. 1987 RoboCop. Paul Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. So I guess, can let's discuss exactly the sequence of what just happened here. <laughs> the movie ended. Okay, so we started watching the movie last night. Yeah. And then I was just getting really tired and we had 30 minutes left to go. I was like, okay, let's just turn it off. We'll finish it next day. So, so we were finishing. About 20 minutes left. We got it done. Uh-huh. And then as the credits are old, you had this giant half-angry grin on your face. Mm-hmm. And I asked you if we needed to go record, and you said yes, right now. I didn't say right now. I said yes. <laughs> Just said yes. We needed to talk about this movie. Yeah. What do you need? What do you need to say about RoboCop? Um, this is a giant turd, <laughs> and bef- like we we can talk about this movie, but then we're going to stop and we're going to go watch the new one because this movie is such a turd. I need to know if they were able to improve on it at all. I don't think they were. Well, I need I need to see the evidence. I'm also going to try and change your mind just slightly. Okay. I'm not going to okay. I'm not going to try to convince you that this is necessarily a good movie. Okay. That's but fair. I'm going to see if by the end of the conversation maybe we've shifted you past it's a horrible movie. Okay. Well, just be just know that we are watching the 2014 RoboCop here soon. <laughs> As part of this episode, we will be watching that too. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll start with the description. In a dystopic and crime-ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Okay. Okay, so... Gosh, where to begin? There's a lot. Okay. Um, let's start with the plot itself. Okay. I like the plot. The idea is really cool. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, that is the only thing that is saving it for me. <laughs> um, uh, there, there are a few other things that I enjoy, but I do, I like the idea. It's interesting. It's compelling. Um, it's execution is... It's bad. Well, let's let's we'll take our time with it. Okay. Um, for 1987, this is a movie way ahead of its time in terms of the story. Because this movie, no, it's not really. What What would you what What did, what did we just watch? Blade Runner. Uh huh. That hmm. was 82. I would say that movie was way ahead of its time. That's fair. I would say Star Wars was way ahead of its time. Okay. Okay. So just just be clear. And those movies, way better than this one. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's let's go through a little bit of the cast. There's really only one actor that we really need to spend a lot of time with, and Mm -hmm. that's Peter Weller Mm -hmm. as Alex Murphy and RoboCop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me get your thoughts first, because I've then I want to pitch to you some different things why I okay. think why he might be kind of a shining something shining out of this thing. Oh, I liked him. Okay, um, not as Alex Murphy, I might say. It's um, they didn't give us enough of him as Alex Murphy. Correct. Um, but he was fine. Where I thought I was very impressed and I did really like um, him as RoboCop was I loved his physicality. Yes. It was amazing. He did a wonderful job. And the the trick that he was able to pull off that I loved the most 
was when he is walking and he's going to turn, he turns his head first and then his body follows. Exactly. And it's very controlled. It looks very mechanical. And I, I, re I loved that. Hands and I, I wanted to see that. Hands down, he is the best actor in this movie. And this, is, this was a setup. I mean, the thing is, is that this movie was easily a popcorn eater. But this also made an entire career for him. He got to do all sorts of weird-ass shit okay. because of this movie. Um, okay, so what else was he in after this? Um, so looking at looking at the different things, he um, he's not a conventional actor. Well, yeah. I know that. I figured that one out. Um, what else is he been in that I would have known, maybe? Have you ever seen The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the Fifth Dimension? No. <laughs> That's another not-so-great movie that we might have to watch just for nostalgia. Okay. There's some fantastic 80s-ness between him and Jeff Goldblum and John Lithgow being in a crazy weird... Oh, I do weird, love John Lithgow. Being in a crazy weird low-budget movie. Um... Then he did Naked Lunch with David Cronenberg, which was a big one. I haven't seen that. Um, it, you know, I'm looking through the credits here on IMDb. I'm not seeing a whole lot of big name movies. So he's definitely mm -hmm. been one of those working actors. I believe, and, and I'd have to go look this up. I believe he's done a lot of theater. Okay. Um, he's very much in there. And then... Where you, where I know you've seen him is he was on both Dexter and Sons of Anarchy. He showed up as the, oh yeah no I the guy totally get the him whorehouse in Sacramento I think or something like that on Sons of Anarchy yeah he was he was yeah. running he was running the legit prostitution business Stan oh yeah yeah no because he was friends with the lady he was Detective Baroski yeah he was an ex cop. You know. Dexter, Stan Liddy. I'm trying to remember. Oh, gosh. I, I remember his character just slightly. Yeah, like I can picture him in the show, but I don't remember what his character He was in did. season five. Okay. And so he was around for the, it looks like the Julia Stiles okay. storyline. Uh, whatever. Okay. So anyway, Peter, I've definitely seen him around, and that's fine. Peter Weller's a working actor. Had his heyday in the eighties. That's it. What? He was in Fairy Tale Theater. Oh yeah. He did that before this as well. I love Fairy Tale Theater. He played the soldier. I think he was Root Van Winkle. Yeah, it's interesting to me that he. He had the looks and the chops to be a legit actor, mm -hmm. but I don't think ever got in there. And he has done, I believe, a lot of theater instead. So I think, and in hearing him talk about things, he's also very much a an actor actor. Mm -hmm. He's very committed to craft and, and the work and working on different things. Okay. So um, he's, he's just kind of an odd duck, that guy. Yeah. But that 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 works so perfectly well for his character in this movie where he's got to be complete physicality. Yes, and and like I said before, I he he was really good and I enjoyed watching that. I would have enjoyed seeing a little bit more. Um the one place where I felt like it was not good was when he's falling down the parking garage. He's moving too smoothly in that sequence. And that's what I was like, oh, he's not being RoboCop. He's just being a dude in a suit. But to be fair, there were about 8,000 different explosions going on that he, I'm sure, had to hit his mark exactly so he didn't get hurt. <laughs> or it was a stunt guy, and it wasn't Peter Weller in that suit. <laughs> Why are you giving me your excuses? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we can, I mean, we can, th He's he's the biggest thing in the movie. Yeah. Nancy Allen as Ann Lewis is uh, bad. I like, well, I like that they didn't go with, like, a conventional hot chick. Well, and she's supposed to be, a, I mean, she's a cop. She's, she's a straight a badass up is what she is. And the thing and is... she's a badass in her own right. That's fine. Like, that's cool with me. Well, but sort of. Because I don't really think she is yeah. as they as they let her be. Now, I'm, I'm, we will get to why I think the acting sucks in this movie. Because the acting sucks across the board. Oh, yeah, the acting's horrible. And here's why, because of the director. But we will get there. 
when you see that the acting is horrible from every single person, what you realize is that the director is not giving them anything to to chew on and okay, work with. Okay, well, let's be clear. The writing's a big, big turd, too. <laughs> that, too. Uh, you can't save bad writing. You can make it less bad. But this is a big turd. <laughs> um, we also get our favorite sitcom dad as the bad guy. Kurtwood Smith. I love Kurtwood Smith. He will always be Red Foreman to me, for sure. Will he, after you hear the line, bitches, leave? Yeah, because all he says in that 70s show is, dumbass. <laughs> so it's very fitting. Like, this is his thing. In a, in a Ray Wise appearance that I was not ready for. I completely forgot he was in this. Robin Shabotsky's dad. And um, Laura Palmer's dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's he's all Twin Peaks I all the time. I'm, we're, with Riverdale, we're so entwined with I know. Twin Peaksiness, which it gets worse. Let me tell you, I just watched the next episode. Um, <laughs> but there's a there are a bunch of just kind of no-name or very old-school character well, actors there's in Miguel this movie. Ferrer. Miguel Ferrer is in there, too. He's another a, Twin Peaks alum. Yeah, but he's also... He's been on TV for years. Oh, he's he done... He shows up everywhere. Well, and he... I mean, he passed away this year. Yeah. Um, Was he, wasn't he a, an SV uh, Law & Order guy? I don't know. He was on one of those procedural he shows, did NCI, for sure. I mean, he did NCIS Los Angeles, it, it says here. But he showed up on everything. And then did tons of movies on top of it. Well, Law and Order was around for about eight thousand years, so everyone's he, been on. Yeah, it he did Law and Order. He did Law and Order, Criminal Intent, ah, and that's yeah, no. and CSI. Well, yeah. So he was on. You graduate. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, when you get old enough that people are no longer that your audience isn't watching Law and Order, they go to NCIS. So the cast has to go with it. I think that's the rule. And let me add, he's kind of great in this movie. He's pretty good. He plays a yuppie asshole very well. He plays a cocaineed up '80s dude. Oh yeah, I forgot about the cocaine. Just fine. Thing. But yeah, let's talk about Paul Verhoeven. I don't care about Paul Verhoeven. Well. Because he's very integral to why this movie looks and feels the way it does. It looks like shit. <laughs> oh, that's not true. That's not fair. I, I like the design of Robocop. And I will say, um, during the sequence when he takes his helmet off, that is some wonderful special effects for 1987. It really is. The movie... What, here's what's interesting to me. Um, the movie oscillates between some really amazing special effects... And some really shitty looking ones. Yes, the giant robot thing. The ED209. ED209. They use the, the Ray Harryhausen model style. They're doing the old school stop motion. Yes. Camera work for it. And it doesn't work. And so this movie the movie had a thirteen million dollar budget. That's pretty small for an action film. Um, even in the 80s. No, and, I agree. And this was Paul Verhoeven's first big American film. All of the rest of his stuff, he is Dutch. Yeah. And um, he and Rutger Hauer were like best buds. Rutger Hauer's been in everything he made up to this point. So they both came out of whatever Dutch scene they, they were working in. So was Rutger Hauer originally supposed to play Robocop? Something I'd have to look up in the trivia. I haven't gotten time I to I looked look at the it. trivia and I didn't see anything about probably, his name. And probably not. He's not an American guy, so it wouldn't... I, I don't think he could He could quite pull that off. Um, he could have played the bad guy, the Kerwood Smith role, too. He could have. He could have been in the movie. Um, but, you know, I think it was unproven director with an American film studio. We're going to give you with a little not bit not quite enough money. Yeah. So, it, thinking about that and thinking about the budget then... I, I get why some decisions may have been made. Um, and so, you know, you've got some of those special effects that are that are lacking. And then you get the makeup with Robocop and the suit, which look fantastic. Yeah, it looks really cool. The design. I, I liked that a lot. And, and the, the cut scenes in between when they're, when they're showing him coming online. And... Okay, so this came out after T Terminator 1. Yes. Okay. I liked... That I did not get a feeling like he was copying Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, he, which is great. He well, and really James Cameron. He was not trying to ape anything James Cameron did in that movie because it would have been really easy to do because they are there's there's a lot of crossover. They they very much tried to make it 
I do get the feeling that Liquid Metal Dude in T2 is channeling Robocop a little bit. Now that I've seen it, I feel like there's a little bit of that going on. I... First of all, I wouldn't put it past James Cameron to steal eight other people's movie ideas. Um, but at the same time, then, you know, I think about James Cameron made The Abyss in 1988, and I bet you he modeled T2 off of the aliens he made. Have you never seen The Abyss? Because holy crap, if you haven't, that's on the list tomorrow. I want to say I have. Ed Harris. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to go look it up because I think it's one of those ones that someone else made me say, made me watch it, but I didn't really pay attention. It's about underwater aliens. You mean Sphere? No. <laughs> the Abyss is like legit one of my favorite action I'm movies. I'm so bitter about Sphere and I saw that movie three times in the theater. I'm bitter about it and I haven't even seen the movie. I read the book. <laughs> I would probably, well, at least a no, book you... No, the book is just as bad if not worse. No, no. See, at least the book, after you read it, you can throw it. Yes. <laughs> after seeing the movie three times, I, I mean... You can't throw a movie. No. I mean, you can slap your friends who have now made you see this movie so many times, but that's usually frowned upon. <laughs> and when you go see it that many times because of a boy, that, that would also be frowned upon. Oh my gosh, you saw it because of a boy? I think the first time I saw it with, like, a girlfriend for fun... We're like, oh, that's the movie's playing at the time, so let's go see it. And then I think the additional time, I think I saw it with my parents. And then the other time, I was hanging out with some peeps, some friends. One of them was a boy that I liked. And so it was like, well, this is what we all want to see. And, you know, you just be a part of the group. So I'm like, I have to see this movie again. And let's say, why? And let's say we like everybody in that movie. Dustin movie's, Hoffman. That movie's really bad. Sharon Stone. Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson Peter Coyote. Queen Latifah. Liv, Liv Schreiber. Huey Lewis was in that movie. I don't remember that. He was the helicopter pilot. Whatever. Anyway, it's the RoboCop. So RoboCop. Um, so RoboCop sucks. Well, okay. So here's now where I'm going to get into the maybe we can make it suck a little bit less. You've seen Starship Troopers, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand. I enjoyed Starship Troopers more than this movie. I'm sure. Can you see the kernels of Starship Troopers in this movie? Eh. To me, like, the thing that really cements that are the commercials in between. The Nukem Battleship game. <laughs> the They're just so poorly done. The SUX 6000. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. In 1987, commercials would have been that badly done. <laughs> no. There are better commercials than this. Okay, so, but do you, do you then, do you then get the satire of it? Oh, yes. Okay. It's still a turd. So you can't you can't appreciate the satire of it because it's just so badly done. Correct. At all. Uh, the only set piece of satire that I actually enjoyed was the X the X S U X six thousand. Six thousand S U X. Yes. Uh so good. I'm gonna refer to that to our car when it makes me mad. <laughs> um and, I, and I'm going to say here, I'm playing devil's advocate to play devil's advocate. Okay. I, I think it's kind of a piece of crap, too. Um, That's good. But I, I want to I, I suss it out because there are people who very much love this movie. Well, they're stupid. <laughs> okay, whatever. Guilty pleasure movies. You watch whatever the fuck you want. This movie sucks. But now we have to watch the new one because we have to, I want to know if they were able to improve on it in any way. Well, so here's the thing that from what I had heard about the reviews, they didn't improve upon it because they sucked out all of the satire. Okay. And I think the thing is, is like, that was part of what, at the time, part of what set this movie apart from anything anybody had seen mm -hmm. was the fact that it was so blatantly satirical. I think part That's... of, part of the cartoon level of violence they put into it, because let, let us admit it is cartoonishly violent. It is violent to a point where you're just laughing at it. No. Um, but, but that, along with the commercials and the other satire involved with it, were completely different than any of the action movies that had come out to this point. Every other action movie by American directors were very self-serious. Except Die Hard, and that came out, like, after this one. 
You can tell because of the Hans Gruber fall. I know. But this, I mean, this was weirdly an influential movie. <laughs> no, I get that. That's fine. But it still sucks. And it sucks mostly because of the writing, right? I think so. So what 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 rating do you give this movie? You don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to go see I want to go see the new one. We got to go watch the new one too. Yeah. Okay. No, we're doing that. Like, um, as part of this episode, we are doing that. Well, let's do this. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a qualified two stars. Okay. The qualification is that you should go see this movie. Okay. You really should sit down and watch it, if only because. It is a huge influence on a lot of different things, mm-hmm. um, and it and it was a game changer when it came out. Okay, I think time has dated it badly. It's <laughs> um, fair, but then I also find there's some scenes where I find myself like, "Yeah, get him, RoboCop!" Like, I find myself I, I find myself excited and rooting for the for the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I'd say, like I say, it's a qualified two stars. It's not good, but you really should sit down and watch it. And if you do turn your brain off and just shovel some popcorn in your mouth, you'll enjoy yourself for the hour and in 45 minutes you sit there and watch it. That fair? Okay. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> it's a one star. The only reason it's getting one star is because I, like I like the idea of the movie. <laughs> and Peter Wells' robot. <laughs> Robocopness. Otherwise. Otherwise... Thing is a turd. <laughs> okay, let's go watch the new one. Alright. Okay, so we just finished watching the newer Robocop from 2014. Now I can say you made me watch Robocop. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's see. Let's read the synopsis for this one. In 2028 Detroit, when Alex Murphy, a loving husband, father, and good cop, is critically injured in the line of duty, the multinational conglomerate Omnicore sees their chance for a part man, part robot police officer. I mean, it was better. This is definitely better. Not without its hiccups. But overall... They gave the story some more meat and higher stakes. Uh, uh, I like... Okay, let's talk about what we like. Let's talk about the cast first. Uh, well, let's start with the director, who uh, we don't have a whole lot of familiarity with, though I know he's become a big name now. Jose Badia. Mm-hmm. Um, the big claim to fame now is Narcos. Mm-hmm. Um, he was yes. part. He was one of the creators of it. But the big thing that he was done before this, and a movie that... We should probably just watch for fun. Mm-hmm. Is Elite Squad, yeah. Um, which, depending on who you talk to, um, a lot of people say that it is the purest action movie anybody's seen. Hmm. That it's it's about a it's about a prison break, um, or a, or a prison lockdown and a gang warfare thing. But that it's just purely visceral action. And incredibly competent at doing it, mm-hmm. which in some ways this movie was. That's how I felt about this movie. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of action sequence that felt owned and good. I guess what I didn't like was that they made this a PG thirteen, so it was bloodless. Yes. And I feel like that's one thing that the original got right. Yes, and if you read the trivia, Joel Kinnaman, who plays Alex Murphy, RoboCop, and I think it's the director. We're trying to get an R. They that's what they agreed to, and then the studio stepped in and said, "No, we're going to do a PG-13 because they wanted more money." Yeah, they wanted to get more eyeballs in front of it, and I think that was a mistake. Um. Okay, so how did you feel about Joel Kinnaman? Um. Oh, one other interesting thing. Uh, Verhoeven. I, I just caught this on the trivia, but Verhoeven didn't like this movie, thinking it lacked the humor, and I, I, I'd, I'd agree somewhat. I mean, here's what's hard for me to think about the original, is would that humor have played better in 1987? Is yes. it is it so broad for us that it doesn't hit as well as it would have then? And that, you know, normally in an action movie, you wouldn't have that much just overt slap-you-in-the-face humor. Well, the older one 
they're trying to poke fun at a genre. Yeah. This one's not. It's taking the same idea. Like, all right, well, what happens if we do this seriously? And you know what? It's a better movie. They probably could have added a little more humor. Um, they def- definitely did a, a some good nods towards the original. But it's a better movie. Now, he was, he was also commenting on Total Recall, which I haven't seen either. I haven't seen the original or the new one. Okay, and and from what I've heard, it's it's the same thing of sucked sucked all of the humor out of the story, which Total Recall is supposed to be even way crazier than RoboCop. Well, I think this is just more proof that his quote unquote satire was shit. <laughs> so if it doesn't stand up as you know proper mocking of a genre, then no. I don't know. I think that was one of the things I actually liked about the movie the first time I saw it, the original. Um, it was one of the things that I was like, this is, this is fun. It was okay, but it just wasn't pushed far enough. Yeah. There wasn't enough of it. I, I think, I think Starship Troopers is the culmination of that, where you're just like, I, that's this is a, the, That's a, that's a better, that's better. Where you're like, I don't care that this acting is bad or that this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. These people are just giving 8,000% more than they should in this performance Oh, and it's yeah. just hilarious because of it. <laughs> because that's what makes it work. They're all earnestly playing the stupidest story you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, they're know, pl- I agree with all that. And they're playing it to attack something political in some ways. Okay, let's talk about Joel Kinnaman. Uh, We've seen him. He was recently on House of Cards and he was in uh, Suicide Squad. I feel the same way about him that I kind of do about Ryan Gosling. I feel like he's an energy suck. I I feel like he's pegged as the sort of grittier detective guy and everything. But I feel like he just he just sucks the energy out of a lot of scenes. Hmm. Sometimes it works, but he is very well. Well, see, I would say that. His he's very one note. Yeah. And I would say that in this particular film, that works. That's true, and that's that's what. Whereas I... he was horrible in Suicide Squad, and he was he was um, fine. He was fine on House of Cards. He was an interesting foil, but he they could have pushed some. They should could have gotten someone a little more charismatic. Ryan Gosling would have come off as more charismatic than this guy. But I do agree with your um, Ryan Gosling. I just, you know, I, I, I think there were plenty of moments where it worked. There's just every once in a while. That's how I feel about him is just generally mm-hmm. as an actor. Um, and I think you're right with the one note on it. It works in this film. You know, he doesn't need to be very emotive. Um, because he's got plenty of people to be emotive around him. Oh, yeah. He's got Gary Oldman. Who's amazing. He's great in everything. He's, he's. So underrated. There's like two or three movies out there that I've heard people talk about, and they are really bad movies that he was somehow pegged into and still gives it his all. Which movies? Oh, they're way obscure things. I There's one from like 2005 He's... that Peter Dinklage is in that's just oh, this wow. weird, bizarre movie. Um, and he does some just weird side roles because mm-hmm. he is another working actor guy oh yeah but it's almost a thing of every time you see him first of all every time you see him he's good but the bigger thing about him is every time you see him he's unrecognizable from when you saw him the last time not true but there's definitely been times where i'm like huh like the what's that movie the darkest hour as churchill as churchill we're watching this preview and i'm like this is amazing this is compelling and i lean over to who is that scary oldman what no oh it is it is so well, good and i that looks i'm i'm looking forward to that but i just sort of think of him from rosencrantz and gildenstern mm-hmm. to true romance which have you seen that no oh okay. yeah add that to our Taran- add that to our tarantino list oh, yeah. um to fifth element that's the one that's the main one i know him from um, then also, you know, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Harry Potter. Um, 
we can go as far back and I, I hadn't seen I haven't seen it, but Sid and Nancy, him playing Sid Vicious oh, yeah. which broke him. Yeah. He every time he's in stuff, he just completely transforms into somebody new. He played Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. Did he? Yes. <laughs> That's a really good movie. He was in the Scarlet Letter. Oh yeah. He was hot in that movie. Plays a bad he plays a Russian bad guy in Air Force One. Yeah. So I mean, any and just He's every a character movie, actor, but one of the greatest. Oh, absolutely! Because again, unlike some of his peers, he just utterly transforms. He yeah, he's done everything, and he's certainly capable of doing everything. And in this, he gets to play benevolent. Yeah, he plays benevolent scientist dude. The sort of compromised, but trying to be a good dude. He's working for an evil corp, but he's doing good work with his with the evil corp. So it's kind of like. Well, I'll take what I can get. He's doing the best he can. Yeah. Uh, We got Michael Keaton as our bad guy. He's got to stop with the bad guy roles. That Honestly, that's all I've seen him do in the last five years. He's done great, but between this and Birdman and Spider-Man. Yeah, but he's making a crap ton of money doing it. He's had a complete... And then the founder, I mean... He's had a complete... Okay, well, okay. Rejuvenation of his career, though. That's fine, but the cost is that he's only doing one thing. To be fair, Birdman and the founder, he got to play evil guys with layers. And, I mean, Birdman was a whole cinematic experience thing. But he's playing the same people. So I don't care. Well, I think you also th- you're also you also there with uh, do, 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 Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, he was the bad guy. Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, I saw, I missed that. I liked Birdman. Yeah. But, like, he's playing the same guy in this movie that he played in Spider-Man. Well, to be fair, he also, he did get a prominent lead role in Spotlight, where he was with the writing team. So he's... True. He's, he's gotten... That's, that's on our list of things we haven't seen. He's gotten, his vari- he's gotten his variety in. He's apparently going to be in the live-action remake of Dumbo, with Tim Burton directing. Uh... <laughs> He's gonna play the evil circus owner. V. A. Vandermeer. I don't know who that is, but I guarantee you that's what his character is—the evil circus owner. Anyway, who takes Dumbo away from his mother and makes her sing that damn song that makes everybody cry? You'll be all right. <sighs> Why are they doing a lot of Because it's Tim Burton, and he could do a circus okay, okay. movie. Okay, let's be clear. He's a great choice for that film. Except he's going to do it so badly. If he gives it the big fish treatment, which is a phenomenal movie. Tim Burton can be an amazing director. Big Fish and Edward Ed Wood. S- and Edward Scissorhands. You put those on there and you're good. Haven't seen Edward Scissorhands. Wait, wait, we forgot another big one. What? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, well, yes. Which is... But that's its own separate thing. That's a perfect movie. I feel in some ways, yeah, he's Tim Burton's responsible for that, but so he is Paul Rubens. He needs to stop hanging out with Johnny Depp. And he needs to get back together with Helena Bonham Carter. We're way off the rails. That's just the whole thing. Okay. Um, okay, who else is in this movie? Abby Cornish is a human as the wife of Joel okay. Coleman. I, okay. You actually have things to say about her character? I liked that they had an actual prominent role in the film. Her and her and the son. I think they used them too much. I think they were a crutch. Unlike the other movie where you know nothing about his family. You, you know that he knows they existed and they left. So they're basically just flashbacks. Yeah. And they think he's dead. And on this one, she signed over the rights for the company to do this to him. So they think they're going to get him back. She's an actual plot point in this movie. Which is okay. But I think they used him as a crush. And then the ending is stupid. Well, They clearly were hoping to get a sequel. And that ain't going to happen. Um, Jackie Earl Haley. Who's that? He was Maddox. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Come on. Bad News Bears guy. Who then went? He's, he played a, he's a great asshole. Who then played a child molester? I don't. Whatever. Little children. That was a big deal. I don't know. Anyway, the the rest of this is minor servicing characters. Michael Kenneth Williams as his partner. I adore him. 
I don't know that I like that they changed his partner to a man instead of a woman. Jay Baruchel. As he's a marketing guy for Omnicore. He's great. A little bit part. And then we can dovetail into Samuel L. Jackson. Ugh, okay, his character is the worst. As Pat Novak. He's the news guy. The, he is filler satire. This was the this was their attempt to throw satire into the movie by making him basically a Fox News pundit he's, talking about American security. And with the way they have him styled and set up, he's like the Stanley Tucci character from Hunger Games. He so here's here's what would have made it work hmm. if we shut and this would have made the ending work. Shut down the scene, turn the lights on. And he's in Omnicorp. It's an Omnicorp show. Agreed. That he's would have part changed. Of that, machine. that would have changed everything. And it would have it would have changed all the context of it. Well, and I, and, I, and if you reveal that at the end, perfect. Then we would all be like, ooh, cool. Um, but it didn't. They just had this guy deliver these lines at the end and give his bleeped out curse words. There's like, if you're gonna get Doctor Jackson to come in there and talk, let him say the curse words. That's what he's there for. Those of you who don't know, Samuel L. Jackson has to say motherfucker in every single movie he's in because of Pulp Fiction at this point. Mm hmm. Badass motherfucker. He's so good at it. That's, that's, it's, it's one of the. You know what? You like the way I say the C word, the way everyone loves it when he says badass motherfucker. That's what it is. It's his specialty. So anyway, <laughs> I, I got nothing there. Um, what did you think of the suit? I liked it. I We didn't talk that much about the suit or the special effects in the original. I guess we can get to a comparison No, we here. said that it was good, especially for the time. I especially really liked in the old one, um, the, the effects that they were able to do when he took his helmet off. As much practical was, effects as they oh, were working absolutely. with. Absolutely. They did a great job. Um, this time, I mean, it's, of course, much more advanced. I like that we get to see what's left of him in the suit. Yes. Which is creepy, but also kind of cool. Um, basically, he's a set of lungs, a heart, and attached to his, his brain. Yeah. And then he has a floating random hand, which is a callback to the original where he had an intact arm, and the Omnicore dude said, no, get rid of it. Yeah. So they kept it here. So that's kind of cool. Uh, it looked it was a it was a good update without being too far from the original. They made it they made it more fluid mechanics, which would make sense with the technology we have now. At the time, they would have thought robotic. You know, the yeah. only way it can be is gears grinding, and now yeah. we've got so much more hydraulics involved. And you still hear that mechanic his stepping, and he when he starts off, he's still very stiff, and then he gets more he gets smoother at it, which makes sense. Here's here's where we give credit to both directors. They thought out that that mechanical aspect mm -hmm. incredibly well. In both of those movies, there was incredible detail thought into mm -hmm. how that character was going to be mobile, to respond to things, to deal with things, mm -hmm. in the context of whatever you know time they were in. I do like how in, in the newer one... There's a bigger distinction between the helmet being up or down, and the helmet down is more he's in combat mode, whereas helmet up is he's just reconnaissance robot dude. Well, and in the original, the in the original the visor is never it's off. permanent. It's, it's permanent. It's a permanent yeah. fe feature for him. So I kind of I kind of like that because they gave him in the new one they've given him a little bit more of his humanity. Correct. Um, which is which is interesting. Um, I they did make it black. The suit is black from the majority of this film. In the beginning, it starts out of silver, and then at the end, it goes back to when he gets a new suit and it's silver again. But yeah, they make him black because they want marketing. <laughs> yeah, it all comes back to marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like the way they have him riding the motorcycle though. He looks like he's on a tr Tron light cycle, but not in a good way. If they were going to do that, they should have made the motorcycle look more like the light cycle. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's a perfectly fine movie. It is better it's, than it's a, it is it's, better than it's, its predecessor. It's a popcorn movie. It's a popcorn movie. Yeah. Let's go see a, a sci-fi shoot 'em up movie. Bye. That's what it is. Yeah. 
that if it didn't have connections attached and let's be clear there are many many people who are mad about this movie because Mm -hmm. they really love the original and i i can understand why some people are very fond of the original Uh probably some of that is you know they were 10 in 1987 and got to go see this movie in the movie theater and were just you know enamored by it so i i would guess there's probably that element of nostalgia for people who just that was the first mind-blowing yeah. movie experience they had. This was their Terminator, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, like, the first one is crap. Okay, it's just crap. <laughs> this one is not great. It's mediocre. It's not good. It's a middle-of-the-road it's movie. fine. That has some really cool features to it. I have paid more for worse movies. I know. I still can stand by that fact. Um, we'll get into that at some point. Uh, we will have to talk about our worst movie we've ever seen in the theaters before. Um, yeah. so, okay, so what what are you going to grade this movie? Well, let's let's talk this back. There were a couple we we brought up. I think this movie's better if it's a hard R, right? If we had blood and a couple F words, yeah, this thing would have kind of taken off a little more because the stakes would have felt more real. I always. When you have a movie that's got this much gunfire in it and there's no blood, it mm-hmm. just feels you don't care. And maybe that's the point, but well, I think sometimes when the blood's there, it makes it a little more like, oh god, this is like this could really happen. Mhm. Maybe. I don't know. Uh grading this movie, uh I'm just going to say two stars. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going with two. Well, I did the first one as a as a as a one. And what's weird is, you know, I gave it I, I gave it a two, but, you know, the original, I'm like, there is this element of you must see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's worth seeing whether you love it or hate it, because mm-hmm. it's just so fascinatingly different than what you would be used to from an action movie. That's fair. This one, I mean, if you've got nothing else to watch, and this one happens to show up, sure. But yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody to go rush out and watch it. No, and and we paid $3 to rent it off of Amazon. Which is fine. That's a perfectly acceptable amount of money to yeah. pay to rent this movie. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, we went to go see the Lego Ninjago movie. Shunned by everyone for being the son of an evil warlord, a teenager seeks to defeat him with the help of his fellow ninjas. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a quick review, right? Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, this is a, this is a movie geared mostly towards kids. We saw it without our children. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's a little bit more than, it's a little bit. It's a little more grown up. I would say, it was fun. I was talking to somebody at work today and I said, it's like the cousin of the other two Lego movies. Yeah. And that it's from the same family, but they're not from the same branch. No. Nah. Um, for a little bit of background on our, we love Legos. We are surrounded by Legos currently. Yes. Um, we have like October is uh, double points month Lego. And so I am ordering all of our anniversary Christmas and my birthday presents <laughs> because we can get double points and that gives us more money to spend at the Lego store. <laughs> it's a problem and I'm not even kidding. Um, so when the first Lego movie came out, we saw that four times in the theater. Yes. Three of those with our daughter, who was two and a half, and she loved it. Like, she was all in on it, too. Um, and then the Batman movie came out last... Actually, no, that came out this year. It was in February. We loved it. Super fun. We have it on DVD, too. We play it all the time. Our son thinks it's funny. He he can say Batman, which is fun. Uh, so this one, of course, we got to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know much about Ninjago. I wasn't really into it, but I certainly had plenty of their Legos now because they're really cool. Well, and we'd, we'd known a little bit of it simply from... There's, uh, they have an animated TV show and that's on Netflix and our daughters watched that a bunch of, and so we knew, we knew a little bit about that. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a world we were necessarily drawn to. Yeah. We probably would not have looked into it if it weren't being a Lego movie. Of course. Okay. Uh, so some of the cast, we've got Jackie Chan, of course, you're going to do a ninja movie, you got to have Jackie Chan. 
Um, and then we've got Dave Franco. As uh, Lloyd. As Lloyd, the main character. And then we've got... Lloyd Garmadon. Lloyd Garmadon. And then as his uh, fellow ninjas, we've got Fred Armisen, Kumail Nanjiani, Michael Pena, Abby Jacobson, uh, Zach Woods. That That's it. Yeah. I mean Zach Woods. Zach Woods plays a robot ninja whose element is ice, and he's amazing. Because the whole point is they started off and it's like the ice ninja. Because they're all supposed to be teenagers in high school. And he's mm-hmm. like, hello, I'm also your fellow teenager. Yeah, with an obvious robot voice. It's so funny. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, oh, and then Justin Theroux is play, plays Garmadon, mm-hmm. that guy. Um, and then, okay, there's always there's there's always the cameos. So I missed some of these. Mm-hmm. The, the bespectacled IT nerd, Charlene Yee. Oh, yeah. Terry the IT nerd. Uh-huh. You've got Ali Wong as General Olivia. So it's one of the generals. Okay. Um, Olivia uh-huh. Munn Plays as... Lloyd's mom. Lloyd's mom, Coco. Um, Randall, Randall Park, Park as Chen the cheerleader. So that's the cheerleader guy who makes up the song about him. Yeah. And then <laughs> Retta is Maggie the cheerleader. And Chris Hardwick is the radio DJ. Which thinking now, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. No. Of course. That... And, and then maybe the best... The best cameo of all is Robin Roberts and Michael Strahan. Strahan as Robin Roberts <laughs> and Michael Strahan of Good Morning Ninjago. And Constance Wu is the mayor. It's great. Lots of good lots of good Asian actors. Yeah. Getting some representation. They could have used a few more in the actual ninja squad. I think so. Uh, but we do get Jackie Chan playing Master Wu. In Jack- a very in a very they do the stereotypical Ninja Master and then turn it on its head again. Of course, because it's Jackie Chan, who's amazing. Um, fun side note, Jackie Chan's stunt squad. His studio. His, his real life studio. They did all the motion capture work for the actual Lego Ninjago people. Which is, of course, he's like, it's a Jackie Chan ninja movie. We're going to have the best ninja stunts around. Because Jack, uh, just, it's awesome. It's I just know. fun. It's a very, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool little side thing that they mm-hmm. did for that. Um, I also love him playing the flute. Yeah, he plays some contemporary songs on his flute, his walking stick flute. That's absolutely hilarious. It's very good, very appropriate. I am disappointed. I understand why, but they really, really should have gotten the rights to Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. <laughs> From what vanilla ice? It's alright. I mean, we saw it at the Alamo when they play. They were playing a bunch of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff before, and I was like, "This is perfect for this movie." Why didn't they get the song? I'm sad. Can we talk about how all of these Lego movies are matched with a single theme, and that is dads and sons? Hmm? They are all very much about fathers and sons and male bonding. Um, the original Lego movies the, got the first one. It's not the main plot, but it is a significant subplot. Well, okay, so the whole point of that. Well, it wasn't so much the fa- it was. It showed up as a father-son relationship. The first one, the Lego movie, was really more about Lego is the whole master builder concept, and that you sh- can be able to make whatever you want. Like your Lego set shouldn't have to be only the Lego set. You should be able to take it apart and make different weird stuff. Yeah. And that's the magic. Use Lego for whatever you want to use it for. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The box is 12 and up. That's just a suggestion. (laughs) It's great. And then with Batman, um, my one critique of Batman was I didn't feel like they used the Master Builder stuff enough. Right. Um, They did just a tiny... They should have leaned into it a little bit more. Um, That one was more about you know, you sh- having friends is great. That's part of the adventure. Yeah. And he, it had the father element, but I think that's more because it's Batman, and Batman's an orphan, and then Dick Grayson's an orphan. It's just, it's, this one is definitely a father-son dynamic. Yes. Um, that's okay. Um, this one, they did a little bit more of the Master Builder stuff, so I really liked that. That's true. That made me happy. One thing that really did throw me off when I first started watching it was the water. What? 
um, in our previous Lego movies, whenever you see water depicted, it's Lego water. Yeah. So it's water depicted with pieces of Lego that are blue. And, and in this film, it's actual real water, which I was like, oh, this pisses me off. I don't like this. But then I realized the whole thing with the ninjas is they each represent an element. One is fire, one is earth, one is water, one is ice, one is lightning, one is green. Um, you have to be able to pick those actual elements as they are in order to relate to the story and for it to work. So once I grabbed that concept, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, it's fine. Well, there's also the thing of there's always this element of uh, some kid is playing with these Legos somewhere. And could they not have just put it in actual water instead of putting it in Lego water? No, exactly. The But because of the previous two iterations, they didn't do that. They did quote-unquote Lego water. It threw me off when I first saw it. Hmm. But once I kind of figured, put those two things together, I was like, oh, great. Okay, perfect. Because Legos are waterproof. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is awesome. So it's fun. I don't think it's... I think the other two are better. Yeah. But this one is still way fun. They all have their wonderful moments. Yes. It's still very funny. Uh, there's a great end, end ending song credits that they've done with the other two movies. Of course. Which is super fun. So, I uh, yeah. So you should go see it. Yeah. Take your kid. Maybe. If you want to. You don't have to. Maybe, I mean, we didn't. Maybe. It depends. It depends on your kid. That they, they are teenagers in high school. I feel like there's nothing in it that if your kid's grown up enough to know what's going on, mm-hmm. that they're you know going to be scarred by. But for them to get the jokes, maybe skew a little older, like eight and up. Yeah, I mean, our five year old could see it, but she's kind of she's almost six, and she's also way quicker on the uptake she, than... she cried at Batman yeah because what would she say because Batman's sad well Batman was gonna go to the who's gonna go be alone he was gonna have to go be alone with the bad guys yeah she was sad about that yeah she's she's, she's a very emotive child <laughs> she feels bad for other people I get it it's good I, it's a good quality hey, I tear up at that moment in every movie every movie when that thing starts to happen I start to get a little a little teary I didn't because he was talking to Ellie Kemper <laughs> that's one and good thing it's a movie about legos all emotional ties that you have to these movies will get undercut by the silliness of the moment <laughs> anyway all right good times That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.